So, Mike, yesterday we were talking about Patrick Mahomes yep. saying he felt more pressure proposing than he did in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. I, I didn't realize today is my man's 25th birthday. 25. What had you done by the time you were 25? What, did, what had you done? Nothing. Where were you and what were you doing? <laughs> Nothing. Right. Nothing. I hadn't done right. a thing Look, at 25. Just in Nothing. case you forgot, this is what he's done by 25. Super Bowl champ, Super Bowl MVP, 2018 NFL MVP, threw for 50 touchdowns that season, youngest QB to win a Super Bowl MVP, youngest to win MVP and Super Bowl, First QB with three 10-point comebacks in one postseason, and of course, the biggest contract in sports history. But most important, as we both know, he's found the love of his life. Congratulations. You know, 25 years old, you know. Going somewhere. I see where you're going. Supremely talented. Yeah. You know, game we assume is going to just only slow down for him. We assume he's got, he hasn't even reached his full potential. You see where I'm going with this. Look, based on what you've seen to this point, are we, in, are we witnessing the beginnings of the career of the greatest quarterback in NFL history? When it's all said and done, will Patrick Mahomes go down as the greatest based on how we started his career? Oh, see, those are two different things, though. Those are two different categories. Let me just start at the beginning. Let's go to the front door. As James Brown said, let's go way back there, back to the beginning. <laughs> all right, uh, so is he the best at the age of 25? I think unquestionably, yes. At 25 years old, you look at some of these numbers, Mike. You look at the ability. You look at his comfort level. I mean, you were going down that list, and I and my mind went back to, I think it was third and 15 in the Super Bowl. They were down 10 points at that point, right? Was it 20 to 10? I, I, look, look, the details are a little foggy at this point, but I think it was 20 to 10, third and 15. They're trailing San Francisco in the Super Bowl, and he kind of lost it up there. Big gain to Tyreek Hill, and as we know, they made a big comeback, and they won the Super Bowl. I mean, he's just so calm in these big situations. You think about the comeback against the Texans. It's relentless. He just does everything. I'm trying to look for a negative with Patrick Mahomes, and I can't find one. So at the age of 25, I think he's better than anybody who's played the game at 25. Now, if you say the best of all time. Is he, whoa, is he, is now, he on his way? Projecting? I think you got my questions confused. And he, is he on his way when it's Maybe. all said and done? I, Assuming he stays healthy. Yeah. It's too hard to say that because now you're asking me, what's Patrick Mahomes going to be in five years? Because he needs to put in, he needs to put in a lot of work to be the best of all time, unless you, and this is where I got to come back to how you think, how your mind is working. We can get inside the mind, being Michael Smith. We can get inside the mind, see how it works. Will you give somebody credit for being the best of all time? Let's say they play eight years. Let's go with the Gale Sayers argument. Can you be an all-time great if you have six, seven, eight years of brilliance and then you stop? See, you're speaking my love language right now because I love nuance. I love splitting hairs. So the GOAT is Tom Brady, all right? He checks all the boxes. And long ago, Brady put to rest the notion that he was a system guy or that he didn't have the ability of some others. He checks all the boxes, okay? He's the undisputed. It's like in boxing. He's united all the belts, right? Right. So he's a GOAT. Also, the most decorated, which has a lot to do with GOAT conversations, which goes into your point about longevity. Often longevity and most decorated go hand in hand. I told you yesterday, the baddest man at his peak for me was Steve Young. 
at his peak. I'll take his peak over just about anybody's. But the nobody best to ever throw the football. Nobody in San Francisco agrees with you, by the way. Nobody in San Francisco agrees with you, I don't think. The best to ever throw the football, the best to ever throw the football that I've seen when you want to talk about talent, accomplishments, that's Aaron Rodgers. And so right just now the, for me, the, Aaron Rodgers. You're talking about the arc? You're talking about just the way the ball looks in the air? Accuracy, just everything. He's the best to play the position. No, he's the best to play the position. In terms of executing the position, Aaron Rodgers is the best to play the position that I've seen. I love Steve Young, but in terms of just like the totality of his career, the numbers, everything, it's painful. Best that I've ever seen. So I'm saying, I know I'm saying a lot there. When I'm seeing it, Patrick Mahomes will no, get no, back to the birthday boy. You're hurting me. You're hurting me. You're hurting me right now. Why? Why am I hurting okay. your feelings? Why? Because you're saying the best to play the position, part of playing the position is it's every it's a totality position, right? So mm-hmm. it's it's about leadership, it's about accuracy, it's about winning, it's about longevity. Yeah. I, I I factor all those things in there. So uh, Aaron Rodgers has some of them, and so if you say okay, the best deep ball, maybe that's Russell Wilson, maybe that's Aaron Rodgers, maybe that's Warren Moon. I don't know. The best the way, the, the best the ball is in the air, back to Warren Moon and Aaron Rodgers. But you said the best to play the position. Now that's quarterbacking. That's a total, that's a total yeah. package. Aaron Rodgers is not the best quarterback I've ever seen play. Is he the best He's quarterback not. in the NFL right now? No, is Aaron Rodgers the best quarterback I've seen? You just started off talking about Patrick Mahomes. Now you're, talking, you're saying Aaron Rodgers is the best you've seen play the position? Right. Yes, to this point. I'm saying Patrick Mahomes has a lot of Aaron Rodgers in him. I don't, I'm sorry. Sorry if I'm confusing you. Let me try to be more clear. In terms okay. of somebody playing the position, I'll okay? Take, I'll, take, I'll at, take your condescension. I'll take your condescension on a Thursday. That's all no, right. no, no, no. That might that, that no, that might be a me. That wasn't that wasn't that wasn't a referendum on your comprehension skills. That might be me. Maybe I'm just saying, maybe I'm talking in circles. I don't know. What I'm trying to tell you is Aaron Rodgers is the best to play the position. Tom Brady is the GOAT, obviously, based on six Super Bowls, longevity, the numbers, his ability, all that stuff. Okay. But the best to play the all position right. in terms of as a pure passer, maybe that's the words I'm not saying. As a pure passer. To me, when you combine ability with accomplishments, with success, all of it, it's, it's, it's Aaron Rodgers for me. Patrick Mahomes, I think, to answer my own question, if he continues on this path, you know, given what he's already done in such a short time, I mean, I don't even remember if Aaron Rodgers was playing by the time he was 25 years old. And so if, if, if Patrick Mahomes continues on this path, I think Patrick Mahomes has a great shot of going down as the greatest ever. You mentioned Russell Wilson, and we'll get to him later. He may not be yeah. the best in the league right now. You look at Aaron Rodgers throw four touchdowns with his so-called heir apparent on the sideline. Maybe Aaron Rodgers is still the best right now. But it's funny that we're having this conversation, this very nuanced, you know, uh, you know, conversation that has a lot of different layers, or, you know, to it or whatever. It, it feels like a top five MC conversation almost. It's like, who's the best MC of all time? Well, I mean, is that based off of record sales? Is that longevity? I mean, no, not, is not that record sales. just who's I'm, I'm throwing right, record no, sales? Great, but everybody's got their own criteria for it. Somebody will, some, some people will just go, who is, who has the best flow? Who's got the best bars? Who's got the best lyrics? Who's done it at the highest level? Everybody, like, that's why I was like, I never like to get in who are the best five. I say, who are my favorite five MCs? Because best that's five, cool. that's what starts fights. Yeah, it does start fights. Now, with, with Mahomes, let's say this. I, I, I want to get this, uh, get this out. If Mahomes keeps up this production, which is staggering, He's got great mm-hmm. numbers. 
He does a lot of things very well. If Mahomes keeps this up, mm-hmm. and but he doesn't win another championship. I don't care about that. Does, no, you don't care. Wait, I'm sorry, I'll let you finish the question. Go ahead. No, I'm saying, but if he doesn't win another championship, but he has the numbers, but just one championship, yeah. d- does that qualify in, in the Michael Smith calculus? I'm glad you're asking that. Calculus because you, for being the best of all time. Because you and I are getting to know each other as TV partners. Our audience is getting to know us as a show. The answer is an emphatic no. I am not a wins guy, and I am not a championships guy when it comes to individuals in team sports. Yes, it can add to your resume, but it is not the determining and deciding factor as to how I view somebody. I, I, I grew up in the Joe. I was there was a book in my library in my elementary school that I that I used to. I was the only person checked out. Remember the library back in the day, and you had you know the the little card in the back that would have people's names and the date it got checked out. That little that little Manila folder in the back of the, of the book. My name was yeah. the only name checking out this little paperback book Damn, by Jay Big. Yeah, it's every time. And it was Dan Marino versus Joe Montana. I was always a Marino guy. I didn't care about Montana Super Bowls. I was always a Marino guy. Okay, that's the, that was the first jersey I owned was a Dolphins Dan Marino jersey. So I have, whether it's pro football, pro basketball, I do not judge people according to championships in a team sport because taking nothing away from Tom Brady's greatness, but how many Super Bowls did he lose through no fault of his own? And how many Super Bowls did he win based on plays at the, ends of ga- at the end of games with him on the sideline watching. That's interesting. Uh, all these years I've been knowing you, Mike. How many years is it? Let me just touch your memory here for a 20 second. Years. How many years we know? 20, 20 years. All right. Tw- <laughs> 21. Go ahead. What? I, no, I'm sorry. I'm, look, I, no, I just, I, I'm, looking at, I'm checking out DMs. Go ahead. What you got? All right. All these years I've been knowing you. I didn't know that you felt that way just in the, in the Montana Dan Marino argument because I'm, just the op- I'm not even trying to mess with you, man. I'm not even trying to troll you. I'm just the opposite. Like, I was always, Joe Montana, back when there were posters on walls. Kids still have posters on walls? I don't even know. I don't think My so. My kids don't. Fat heads, but, maybe. Uh, Fat heads. But back in the posters on the wall day, uh, days, I had, you know, Joe Montana. I had Living Color. I had Bob Marley. Anyway. Uh, but Joe Montana was my guy. Joe Montana was the dude. And I can tell you, I had no idea what his numbers were. I just knew that Joe, in a tough situation, was going to get it done. Now, as I went back, as I got older and looked back at the numbers, I, I, I felt like some of my anecdotal evidence kind of broke down on me because Joe didn't always get it okay. done. And Joe, Joe lost some divisional championship games and some, and some conference championships. But I just felt like with the quarterback position, it's almost like the school bus driver. I, is everything yeah. cool? Are we okay? Is everything in your hands? All right, God, I got it. And Joe Montana yeah. always had it. Now let me just move on though. Hey, can I move yeah, on? Yeah, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. We get, we get, what you got we, we got a, we got a direct message coming from our producer Gary, who is begging us to get to this direct message because he's a DC guy, and he felt compelled to get this in the show somehow because he's like, oh, y'all showing love to Patrick Mahomes on his birthday. How about my guy Alexander Ovechkin? Says Gary, he didn't say all of that. I know that's what he was thinking when he sent this direct message. Better athlete born today, Mahomes or Ovechkin? Mahomes. Look at that. Oh, they even cut Ovechkin video for this. Okay. <laughs> they were, they were going to get this in the show. Come hella high water. This was getting in the show. 
one way or the other. Because <laughs> one thing NBC has, Michael, one thing NBC has is hockey videos. Hockey. Oh, we got some it's hockey, hockey videos. <laughs> shout out. Shout out to my people. What's up, Catherine Tappan? Hey, what's going it. on, Anson Carter? Answer, answer the question, people. though. Answer, answer this question. Which one? Mahomes or Meshkin? Better athlete. It's Mahomes. It's Mahomes. Look, Three MVPs for Ovechkin says Gary in my ear. Ovechkin's great. Ovechkin's great. But um, And I was so happy for him when he finally won. Nobody enjoyed the Stanley Cup journey as much as Alexander Ovechkin. It took him a yeah. long time. He took some undue criticism. I'll give him that because a lot of people blamed him uh, for the Capitals' shortcomings. But I, I can't say definitively right now, oh, no question, uh, Ovechkin, even when they won, was Ovechkin, no question, the best player in, in the NHL. No. I mean, he's good. I mean, he's excellent. Is Ovechkin better than Sidney Crosby? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. Hey, man. But, but hey, Patrick, man. Patrick Mahomes, at the age of 25, was just record-setting. That's it. I got you. It's Mahomes. Okay. Let, let me switch gears. Yeah, man, I, ask you for, I, I didn't ask you for a hockey column, by the way. I mean, I'm just, it, <laughs> you give a whole column just now. Like, was, give know, me a I'm quick sorry. answer. Just give me, one, give me a quick I'm answer. Sorry. Yeah, Shout I, out I to Asia no. Wilson, by I, the way. I, Shout out to Asia Wilson, WNBA question. MVP. I'm just shouting her out. I'm reading another DM. But go ahead. What you want to move on to? Go ahead. I answered the question immediately, and then you asked for context, so yes. I just went in. Yeah. But let me move you on and talk about this. You know, We argued about this a little bit yesterday, Mike Smith, talking about Bruce Arians. After Tom Brady's inauspicious debut in New Orleans on Sunday, first game, he throws a couple of interceptions, including a pick six. Bruce Arians called him out and said, hey, you know, Mike Evans read it right. Tom Brady did it wrong. He looks like Tom Brady in practice, but in the game, it was a little something different. Brett Favre yesterday said, hey, Bruce Arians, watch him out, essentially. Watch him out. This might come back and bite you. Arians says, I'm good with Brady. Brady today says, Arians is the coach, I'm the player, and hey, let's just keep it moving. So do you believe that Tom Brady feels that way about Arians, that he's all right with being called out in public? Bill Belichick never called him out, never did, not in public, ever. So he was there for like 100 years in New England, <laughs> 100 years, never called out, never called out. Uh, let's take a listen. Tom and I are fine, so I, I don't really care what other people think. <laughs> so it's just what he and I think. And, uh, you know, we, we left the stadium fine. We showed up today fine. So <laughs> there ain't nothing to talk about. Thank you. Thank you. Nothing, there's, no, there's nothing to see here, certainly nothing to discuss here. Like I said yesterday, so many people perpetuated this, you know, this notion that, you know, Tom felt underappreciated in New England by Belichick. And, it, you know, his act wore, wore thin on Brady, and he was sick of him. I like he, your he mocking needed, voice. He space. I like your no, mocking voice. He, 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 he needed to move on. And so he goes to Tampa, and, and apparently it's, Bruce Arians is not supposed to be opposite Joe and treat a 43-year-old like a kid and caress him and stroke his ego and say that he had a good game when he didn't or blame other people to protect Tom Brady. And I'm being sarcastic in my tone here. And the reason I'm being sarcastic is not only is that ridiculous, but more ridiculous than that is the idea that the GOAT, the unquestioned GOAT, Tom Brady, yeah. even if Arians is doing something that is unconventional or unnecessary even, and certainly something that Tom Brady isn't accustomed to, to your point, knowing the Patriots the way you do, 
The notion that Tom Brady somehow cares what anybody says about him privately or publicly, as if Tom Brady is somehow embarrassed by Bruce Arians saying publicly, well, that's not how you looked in practice. I expected better. Those were bad throws. The fr- you don't think Tom Brady knows that those were bad throws? You don't think Tom Brady is his own worst critic? You don't get to be the greatest of all time rising and falling based on people's opinions of you. Because if it was about opinions, then Tom Brady would have done when he was he would have been done when he was picked 199. So I don't think Tom Brady is somehow clutching his imaginary pearls that oh, you, you, why you put why you put my business in the street, you know, or, or going certain entertainment in front of my family and everything, though, in front of my wife and everything. Like, like no, Tom Brady doesn't care. He's already he's already on to the next, and that's why he's been able to do it this well this long. All right, you raise an interesting point. You raise an interesting point. I respect you. <laughs> I respect you, but I don't think it's about Tom Brady's feelings. Let me just, let's just look at our current situation here. When you're working with new people, you want to know what it's like when things start to get a little sticky. I've never worked with you before. I've worked with you before, Michael Smith. I'm just saying, in in general, just theoretically. I've never worked with you before. So our first game of the season, uh, we go through some adversity in New Orleans. We lose the game. And the first example I get from you of how you deal with it is, is you're calling me out. Now, I can handle it because I've been doing it for a long time. I can handle it, but it's not about what I can handle. It's about how you are when things start to get a little tight. It's just a little bit of information for Tom Brady. As I said yesterday, if they talked about it behind the scenes and Bruce Arian said to him, hey, I'm going to do this to you because I feel like it's better for our team. It's a, it's a team building exercise. Okay, great. More power to you. But I just feel like Bruce Arian says, I don't care what other people think. My cynical approach is you do care what other people think. That's why you wanted to get out there and say whose fault it was. Like, wait, I don't need to know all this. I don't why, need to know whose fault it was. Why are you, think, why are you convinced that he has an ulterior it, motive? He's, why are you convinced I, that it's, it's that deep? Con- Maybe it's Bruce Arians just being Bruce I'm Arians. Cynical. I'm cynical. I'm cynical about it. Because your job, Bruce Arians, is not to placate the media. As much as a media member, I love that. But I'm just looking at the big picture outside of just my little media view here. Your job is not to make me happy. Your job is not to be uh, give me uh, great quotes and, and too much insight. It's really not what you're supposed to be doing. I wonder yeah, what Tom I, I think, I, I'm going to go Denzel on you. Hey, Tom Brady, you know what? I don't believe you. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. I don't believe that you just look at that and it's just no big deal. He's a coach. Let's just keep moving. I think he puts it in the back of his mind and says, okay, good. Interesting information about a new guy in game one. Uh, that's fine. Listen, uh, old men that wear Kangos, especially white dudes that wear Kangos, don't care about your feelings. They don't care what you think. Right. They shoot you straight. The only thing missing for Bruce Arians is a cigarette hanging out of his mouth, okay? That's the dude that wear Kangos. He can always keep it 100 with you. Um, I want to transition, if it's okay with you, Michael. So tonight's Thursday night football game. Um, I'm actually interested in this, this battle of Ohio. Uh, naturally, you were a Browns fan growing up, right? It was all Browns for you, never Bengals, right? Uh, actually, no, but anyway. Really? Uh, oh, you were okay, a Bengals just, fan for a minute? Just uh, real quick. Definitely yeah. not, a bang, not a Bengals fan. Real quick, real quick, real quick. Oh. Uh, older, older brother, older brother, a uh, little bit of a front runner. So uh, I followed him. Uh, the Steelers won four championships in six years. Mm-hmm. So he was a Steelers fan. I was actually a Steelers yeah. fan growing up. 
because of my big brother. No, that makes that, ma- that makes sense. That that makes total sense. And we're, I got something for you on the Steelers later on. I want to get to. All right, but anyway, Browns Bengals tonight. Now I don't know if what I'm about to ask you. It may sound ridiculous. I I admit it. I, it may be very prisoner of the moment ish. Um, and maybe it's just reflects either how high I am on one and how down I am on the other. But after one start, a loss at that from Joe Burrow in his career, right now, today, you starting a team, you'd rather have Burrow or Baker? Uh, ooh. But I, actually, I don't think it's that ridiculous of a question. It's not? Okay, I'm relieved. No. Thank you. I don't know because, you know, Baker was a, a, a surprise. If you go back, he was a surprise number one overall pick at yeah. the time. And he had a he had a good he had a good rookie season. Then he, uh, he kind of fell apart in year two. So, no, I, I'd say right now I would go with uh, I go with Joe Burrow. I think I think Joe Joe Burrow. Because Baker was great. Baker was accurate in college. He had some really uh, terrific numbers, and he's got it's got that he's got that charisma that you want to see from a quarterback. But I think Joe Burrow was a better college prospect. I know just one year of insane yeah. production at LSU, but I think he was a better college guy projecting to the pros than Baker Mayfield was. Fewer questions with Burrow than with Baker Mayfield. Okay, and I just kind of ro- I kind of roll with I, I roll with Joe Burrow too. I just like his whole yeah. Thing. No, Joe's that dude. Joe's that dude. No, but I say this though. Look, they lost that game against the Chargers. They shouldn't have. Because uh, an OPI on A.J. Green on what would have been the game-winning touchdown, I believe, ended up missing the field goal. Um, he looked great in that two-minute drill. Uh, looked great on that touchdown run. Obviously, we know how he looked coming out of LSU and how, what people have said to say about him this offseason. So I, I would lean more toward Burrow, Burrow, not based off what I've seen from him, but just what I haven't seen from Baker Mayfield, which is a transcendent guy. You know what I mean? I haven't seen a guy... They're both number one overall picks. I just haven't seen a guy. I, I, I saw a guy that was taken by a team number one overall. It's, it, listen, this is not revisionist history. I felt like this when they took it, to your point about it being a surprise, when they took yeah. him. I felt like that was a guy that they were taking, like, we got to take a quarterback because we've missed on so many quarterbacks, or as, some, as the case may be, passed on so many quarterbacks mm. in the past that, all right, this is the best one of this group in our estimation. So we're going to take, take Baker Mayfield, says John Dorsey, who's no longer there. and so. You know, it's like, I just don't know that he's the guy that can bring out the best in his teammates. You know, I, I had a lot of questions about him coming out of Oklahoma. Those questions have not been answered. If anything, they've been exacerbated in the pros. Um, so, yeah. And, and But then part of me, man, just feels like, is that his fault? Because it's, it's, every quarterback and every coach and every GM that comes through that organization seems to suffer the same fate. And so I'm almost like, is, yeah. is, is Baker, is, is Baker does he have shortcomings, or is he just not capable of rescuing this franchise from its curse? I don't know. Well, you know what? Since you went here already, you're going here. And I, I, I didn't plan to go here right now, but, you know, it's on my mind. So you, you brought it up. You, you brought up the Browns. And in, in both of us, both of us are, are big-time Madden fans. Maybe too much so, right? Right? Uh, yeah. Can we tell the yeah. truth? Can we yeah. tell the truth here? Yeah. Too we much. Spent, we we now, spent a lot of time I'm a, in franchise mode. I, I'm going to tell on you a little bit. You still maybe spend a little too much time on it. Yeah, a little, I mean, little, little too much time. I mean, I, 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 I might, you know, 
download the online draft classes and, you know. It's crazy. I may, I may dabble a little bit and try to turn some teams around here and there, you know. I, I okay, you know, back in the day, back in the day, I used to give up. I used to, I used to just give away systems just to protect myself. I gave, I gave a couple to my nephews. I gave one to like some random kid. I just met this kid. I was like, hey, you want a PlayStation? I just gave it to him because I need, I needed yeah. to get it out of my life. <laughs> I was spending yeah. too much time yeah. on it. But I'm gonna go franchise yeah. mode on you, real time. Okay, I want you to think about this seriously. Real time franchise mode. You mentioned the Cleveland Browns, and we know what kind of problems they've had. If I make you, ex- I give you executive power. You're the general, you're the general manager, head coach of the Cleveland Browns. Your lips to God's get, ears. Yeah. You can, you cannot get rid of the owner. That cannot be part of your answer. The owner is there. That's unfortunate. You yep. got power. Franchise mode. Cleveland Browns. What would you do? What would you do with the Browns to to turn that situation around if you had All right, so so in fairness and, it, and this is why you don't leave to conclusions after one start. So like in fairness, man, you know, they got the brakes beat off of them by maybe the best roster in the NFL. All right? I mean, they're the the the, the Ravens are a Super Bowl favorite for a reason. So, you know, Baltimore had their way with them in week 1. I really like what the Browns did this offseason. I'm not trying to avoid the question, but I don't I, what I wouldn't do is blow it up because they they blow it up so frequently. They hit the reset yeah. button. Going back to franchise mode, you think that they're in franchise mode because they're constantly hitting reset. I would pick a course and I would stay it, whatever that course is. I thought they did a great job this offseason of upgrading their offensive line. Um, I thought they did an awesome job adding some pieces on defense. They had, you know, the unfortunate uh, injury to, um, to Grant Delpit, the LSU yeah. safety who I loved, who I thought would have been a difference maker in the back end. So, if anything, I would stay the I would pick a course and stay it for longer than a year or two. That means keeping the coach in place, keeping a, a front office in place, and keeping a quarterback because this was, this was thrown out today. What if uh, week one was a sign of things to come for the Browns this year? And if you have a new GM and a new coach that did not draft Baker Mayfield number one overall, and let's say they bottom out this year and underachieve again, and 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 and, and the Browns brown like they typically do. Do you go quarterback again if you have an opportunity? <laughs> you might have it's to. Probably, and and I, you, you might have to. Hey, Mike, I, I'll tell you this. This is, why, this is why I said you can't get rid of the owner. And I told you yesterday, growing up in Northeast Ohio, grew up in Akron, Ohio, shout out, Moeller Avenue, West Side. All right. So I grew up there, and I knew, I knew the whole history of, of the franchise. You think about this. This is hard to do. Art Modell, Art Modell, this is on his, his resume. Art Modell fired Paul Brown, Bill <laughs> Belichick, and Marty yeah. Schottenheimer. Wow. Come on. And, and so, so all those guys, obviously Paul Brown was successful. Bill Belichick was on his way. Marty Schottenheimer did the job, you know, the drive, the fumble, all that stuff. You can be successful even with the bum owner. And I think they got a bum owner right now. So you got to work around yeah. him. First thing I do, if, if I'm a commodity that the Browns want to hire, I'm asking for an unprecedented seven-year contract. I, I, I need a seven-year contract. Don't mess with me. All that, all that means is you got a lot of money coming to you when they fire you. That's all that really means. No, no, no. no, no. Seven-year <laughs> seven contracts year don't contract. matter to them. If you fire me, it's going to hurt. I'm going to make it hurt okay. for you. That's, and then that's the, good negotiating. Then, then I asked Joe Thomas to come out of retirement. No, I'm just kidding. All right, so <laughs> then the other thing. The other thing I would do is I need somebody who's going to talk to the owner. I need like a CEO type to keep him away from me because I think you've identified the major problem with the Browns. Like I said, NFL, the talent is so close. The best team in the league and the worst team in the league, there is not this huge gap in talent 
between a five-win team and a 12-win team. Sometimes it's just organization. Sometimes it's just stability. I need somebody to stay away from me. I need that owner to stay away from me so I can just do my thing. Look at this. Oh, okay, okay. We get it. Oh my God, Gary Carter. What does the salary have to do with anything? Okay, well, that means they're both rich. Gotcha. Three MVPs in a different sport. Ovi is phenomenal. Ovi is phenomenal. Like, it's just no objectivity whatsoever. Actually, I'm asking you a quick question, so I need a quick answer. We had another, since we shouting our producers, Kevin Cross, uh, he sent a, a DM, and he said, if Patrick Mahomes retires right now, is he a Hall of Famer? Going back to you, I guess no. your Gail Sayers example. No, but at least G- Gail Sayers played, what, six years? Kevin yeah, Cross, yeah, yeah, no, but guy, he knows that. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, I'm just, I, but I, would, I would say, no, not, maybe not first ballot, but he's already one of the wow. best to throw the football. I said maybe not first ballot, but, you know, there's an argument to be made. To be Which ballot? In circumstances. Yeah, Which exactly. Ballot? Like, okay, you're going to put a guy in the Hall of Fame after, like, three years? What? No, yeah, you're right. Silly. Go All ahead. Right, what you want to talk about now? This is what I want to talk about. Hey, man, I'm not one for predictions. When I look at this Heat-Celtics series tonight, game two, uh, Heat win a, a very entertaining game one in overtime. Oh, where's the block? Uh, as I look at this, I think, Michael Smith, it is obvious. We're going to be sitting here talking about a game seven in this series. So promise me this, Mike. Let's not overreact to whatever happens. Celtics win tonight. Jason Tatum gives you, you know, 34 points or something like that. Or Jalen Brown responds or Kimba Walker responds. If, if, if the Celtics blow them out, have the Celtics taken control of this series? Let's not do that old lame broadcasting thing where you just take a snapshot and you say, oh, this is what's going to happen. What's going to happen, I don't know if you agree with this, is that this series is going to game seven. It's just so even from top to bottom. I mean, really, if I wanted to go up to the executive level, on one side we got Pat Riley as a team builder who's just still getting it done. I mean, Pat Riley's still getting it done. And then on the other side you got Danny Ainge. You look at the coaches. Eric Spolstra, love him. Brad Stevens, love him. Best players. Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler. Secondary players, good. So I just think across the board, I'll probably give the slight edge to Miami off the bench. Unless Gordon Hayward comes back because Hayward, I saw the other day, he's doubtful. That's progress. Uh, He's doubtful for tonight's game. He was out. uh, He sprained his ankle, and that was four weeks ago. So now... He may have a shot of playing. But you, you agree with this? This is a seven-game series, man. No, I don't. I, I don't. I, 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 think, I think they can be even on paper and appear even coming in, and the series may not play out that way. I mean, look, if the Heat win tonight, I, I, okay, I will promise you this not to go into the old sports writer bag of cliches. I promise you that. So I'm not going to call tonight a must-win for Boston because they can certainly – come back and win two in a row, and now we're back at square one. However, if the Heat win tonight, it would be hard just staying, you know, just narrowing our focus to the seven-game series conversation. That this game is, that this series is, and these teams are so evenly matched until it's destined to go seven. If the Heat win tonight, it's hard for me to see the Celtics winning three of the next four in order for this to go to seven. The way the Heat have been playing 
at nine and one to this point in the playoffs. Yeah. And I think the Celtics, just given their inability to close this postseason, I mean, look, the block, I, I'm still on a high from Bam Adebayo's block. I mean, but to your point about how close this is, they were up 14 in the fourth. So yeah. they could be good enough to get up and 14 up five, in the fourth. Up five with a minute to play. But, here, but here's all I'm saying. They can be good enough to hang with Miami and be up 14 in the fourth and blow leads. And this could be, if they don't get their act together quickly and respond accordingly tonight, this could be a five-game series. No chance. No chance. No chance it's a five-game series. Uh, look, and I know you hate this point. That's why I kind of bring it up sometimes to annoy you, just being real. <laughs> okay. You say if, if Miami goes up two zip tonight, well, I don't see the Celtics, you know, coming back. Why? When when the series shifts to Miami? <laughs> no, That's man. exactly right. No, this you know, is, <laughs> this is bubble ball. Anything right, this is, is March Madness. This, this is March ball. Madness in September. I agree. Yes. Neutral yes. court. It's not going anywhere. And so now talent, talent is what we're judging it on. We're not judging it on, hey, you know, don't, don't do they're that tough again. on their home don't court. Don't do that again. I know. Don't do that again. Don't do that again. Did you not just learn your lesson from, I don't know, 24 hours ago? You about to do the whole they're talented thing again? When you fell for the Clippers banana in the tailpipe. But where'd that series go? Okay, but that series still went seven games. Now, I I was wrong. I said the Clippers were more talented. They're not. The Nuggets are. But it's a seven-game series. It's it's not like the the Clippers' talent was that much more than the Nuggets and, and vice versa. Same thing in this situation. If the Celtics go down two zip, they can come back and they can win three straight against this team. They sure can. Come on. Oh God, no. Okay, you disrespecting Miami now. I, I, no, God. Anything. Look, per, let's, let's the baseline. Baseline for any discussion. Certainly, anything can happen. Okay. Having said that, I think you're disrespecting Miami by saying matter of factly that the Celtics can win three games against this this Heat team. They're really good. They're not fluky. They're not upstart. It's not a cute story of Pat Riley and Eric Spolster rebuilding it so quickly after LeBron, you know, went back to Cleveland. They're a complete, dynamic, dangerous team. You said rebuilding. That is, That's funny. That was six years ago. But anyway, go ahead. Sick. Was it six years ago already? It was six was years it? ago. Hey, in the NBA, man, look, in the NBA, it ain't, it ain't easy to turn around and be in the conference finals in six years when LeBron leaves via free agency. It ain't like they made a trade, did they? No, you know? So, anyway... Um, no, I, I think I, this isn't a must win because, yes, Boston can get back into this series, but it's not a game. You, they were, I'm stating Captain Obvious, they certainly rather not lose this against a team in Miami that I don't think is going to let up. I don't think Jimmy Butler lets this team relax. I don't think Spo and Riley let this team relax against the Celtics. That's all I'm saying. They, get, they would have a vice grip on this series if right. they were to that's win. That's who they are. Okay. And that's that's the thing. That's the thing I like about him. You want to talk about something else? I yeah. can tell. I know, I've known you long enough. No, no. Go ahead. You no. Well, you you got it. You got the. You got it. What you want to talk about next? Uh, you know, I, I do want to talk about this uh, because a, a couple of guys uh, in this series, Jimmy Butler and Jason Tatum, are on the All NBA team. Third team, both of them. All yes. right, deservedly so. Jimmy Butler, great year. Jason Tatum, uh, at twenty two, has made himself known. He is he is a star. He's going to be on that All NBA All NBA team for a while. He, he's a baller. But I really want to talk about the first team, all-NBA yeah. list. It really got my attention yesterday for a couple of reasons. One, based on this year's healthy players, we know Kevin Durant on the sidelines, uh, Steph Curry out. Based on this year's healthy players, I think these are the five best players in the NBA. 
I think just the, the, the first team all NBA. That's one. But here's the other thing. And uh, hey, the, wait, wait, hold on. I'm sorry. And you know, right. and you know, Anthony Davis is on the first team, right? Why don't you, why don't you tell the people how you feel nope. about Anthony nope. Davis? Nope, I'm not. I ain't trying to say <laughs> No. No, you know, you, you're a chump. <laughs> no, I mean, you're going to come out with this. You're a chump. Oh, you're I think these are the five best chump. players in the NBA. You know what? That is not. Air- no, no, uh-uh. You got a lot mm-hmm. of Bruce Aarons in you. No, 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 okay, no okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I say in public what I say in private. See. I don't put on for the camera, okay? okay. So, tell a pe- you all call Anthony Davis one of the top five players in the league. What'd you I'm say about him in private? What'd you say about him on our fan. conference calls, huh? I'm a big How fan. Cool? What'd you say? I want him to come on the show. Brother from another, Anthony Davis. I see. Okay. I, okay. AD, I all see right. you. I see you, AD. <laughs> okay. One of my favorite right. players. One of my favorite oh, 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 okay. He, he's your favorite player the same way Patti LaBelle is your favorite singer, okay? Let's just put it that hey, way. Let's just, let's just put it that way. Quick, can I tell you real yeah. quick before we get to Anthony yeah, Davis? Go ahead. You can tell me as long I, as you want. What? I am, I am, I mean, barely awake last night. Barely awake. My wife, my beautiful wife, Oni, says, hey, don't be that guy. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I got one eye open. She said, nudges you. Be that don't guy. be that guy. <laughs> don't be that guy. I'm like, what, what are you What are you saying? I'm not trying to, you know, I'm just trying to sleep. Right. You can't be going on TV talking about Patty LaBelle is overrated. Don't be that guy. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm said, telling you. You're talking about Patty. She said, now this is what she said. You're talking about Patty, her music, and her pies? You can't do that to Patty. No. I said, come on. Bruh. Listen, if I hadn't signed a contract with you, you'd be looking for a new brother from another. I mean, my boy Dwayne said, look, Mike, I'm only watching the show moving forward because of you. He said, if you weren't on that show, Mike would be canceled. Michael Holly would be canceled. I understand where all this coming from. I mean, she, got, she, got to, she got to walk down the street with you. And she, yeah, they got to point to her like, yeah, she fine, but she married that clown, that slandered Patty LaBelle. Like, I mean, you, you already ruining the family name. Realize your I children like have to grow up knowing that their father slandered Patty LaBelle. They got to grow up with that kind of legacy. That's what you're passing down generationally right now. I just want you to know that. I'm sorry. I did not mean to derail this conversation. <laughs> Go ahead. It's a nuanced thing. It's a nuanced thing. That's all. That's all I'm saying. What do you want to anyway, say about the All-NBA first team? I'm but, sorry. But, but All-NBA first team. You got Anthony Davis, my favorite player, along with yeah, LeBron yeah. James. Yeah. And yeah. so two first-team All-NBA guys. I'm wondering, Mike, if you see any pressure if Lakers fans, like our, our friend of the show, O'Shea Jackson Jr., if they feel any pressure, because it's very rare to have first two first-team All-NBA guys. The last time it happened in the NBA was 2006-2007. Amari Stoudemire, Steve Nash, they didn't win the championship. Back in the day, you had Moses Malone and, and Doc. Obviously, they won. Shaq and Kobe did it several times, I think three times. They won a championship. But when, you, when you're in that position, you're almost, it's almost like, you got to win. If you didn't win, what's wrong with you? You think, you uh, think they yeah. feel any pressure? Does Frank Vogel feel any pressure? Oh, well, well, of course. I mean, the Lakers always feel that way, whether or not Anthony Davis and LeBron James were on, the, you know, the first team, second team, third team, what, regardless. I mean, that was the expectation when they got Anthony Davis. And now you compound it with the fact that – and that's that's an interesting – listen, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to – this isn't about the – for me – Your pressure question isn't necessarily about the distinction and the honor of having two All-NBA players, first-team All-NBA players, which is fantastic. The pressure question is just about 
not just the Lakers as a franchise and their lofty standards, not just having both LeBron and Anthony Davis. The pressure question is really about this year and, you know, uh, the tragic passing to Kobe Bryant and the, the, the legacy and the weight that this franchise is carrying in order to win in his honor. Um, it's, a fr- it's a fan base that's, you know, they're spoiled, as you know, you know, and so they're, they're, not, they're, not, they're not starved for a championship, but, they, but they're used to eating regularly, so to speak. And so they're waiting for a championship, and they feel like this year, not, especially now that they've got the Clippers, it reminded me a lot of 04, Michael, when the Red Sox, it was better to come back against the Yankees than win the World Series. They, they feel so good about the Clippers, you know, um, you know, choking away the, game, the series against the Nuggets. So, yeah, the Clippers are out. So now you're facing a team that wasn't supposed to be there. And so it'll be interesting to see how that pressure manifests itself with the Nuggets playing so loose and the Lakers knowing that, hey, this is our year. We're doing this for Kobe. Having said all of that, Michael, there is no pressure, at least in my mind, on LeBron James. Because win or lose, if I could pivot back to the first team All-NBA selection. Yeah, go ahead. 16 times he's been an All-NBA player most ever. It's like, wait, another accolade? And so we were talking earlier, Michael. It's incredible, more than anybody. We were talking earlier. Oh, so let me finish my point, and then I'll pivot to something else. I don't know that a championship, at least for me, it doesn't affect LeBron's legacy either way. I don't don't look at it as... Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, if he wins it, he's one of the greatest ever. If he loses it, he's still one of the greatest ever. You know, uh, there's no right, pressure me, from me, that me, standpoint. Let, let, me, let me keep it real with you. Let me keep it real with you, okay? Okay, wait, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. What, that's what we're going to do, right? We're going to do this on this show. We're going to wait. Like, we're going to take people. There's no curtain. We've ripped down the curtain. we ripped it down. Yeah. There's no curtain here. Yeah. So, is there anybody, say these names, and I'm going to put the names out there. Is there anybody other than Paul Pierce hating on LeBron James right now? For real. And he, no, we know. No, we know Can't what be. his issue is. His issue is. I mean, uh, I, I, I guess they they went head to head, and he just felt like yeah. he, he should have gotten more championships out of this thing. They hated the Miami Heat. Uh, the Miami I'll, Heat didn't I'll like answer, them. I'll, I'll answer specifically. The only people hating on LeBron James on a certain conservative news channel. That's the only people that say that can that can possibly hate on LeBron James right now. Yeah, and, and that's funny that's you bring that up. What, both agendas. Yeah, we okay? know why. Agendas that, yeah, got, we know that ain't why. got nothing to do with, 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 with what's happening on the court. This, this is what I was going to bring up. And you and I don't think have ever had this question. But years ago, I made a statement that I still stand by. But the more LeBron does and the more gracefully he ages, the more I say, well, wait a second, man. Like, I ain't know that's where you were going to take this thing. <laughs> it's like, so I said years ago, that there was nothing LeBron could ever do, ever do, to surpass Michael Jordan in my mind. Then LeBron went and got better. He is a deadly outside shooter. He's climbing up, if if not at the top of every meaningful chart, statistically, that there is. I don't judge him by championships, but if he gets a fourth, and I'm not, and I hope people don't take away from it. Oh, you got Anthony Davis. You're supposed to. No, no, it ain't that simple. Still the best player right. on the team. I mean, I'm not. I don't think I'll rethink it. Let me say that again. I don't think I'll rethink it. But he certainly gives me something to think about because I didn't anticipate him getting 
better somehow. Not it's, it's not an old man game where he's yeah. aging gracefully and he, everything is a fadeaway and he, you know YMCA pick up Paul Pierce type game. No, he's aged gracefully as in like no, he's aging backward. So I mean, it's just it's incredible what he's doing. Whether he wins it this year or not, it's, it's, it's a good question, Mike. You know, I'll, I'll just say this: the reason the reason you are, are reconsidering it, even though you're immature with your uh, PlayStation habits. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Even though you're immature with those, this is maturity. Because we all have these idols, either, as I said earlier, either on the wall or in our heads. Like you just, you make up your mind, whether it's music, whether it's an actor, whether it's an athlete, nobody can be better than fill in the blank. And so Michael Jordan, for a lot of people, especially those who either grew up, grew up watching him or, or were young adults when he was doing his thing, they'd say, okay, that's it. Nobody's better than Michael Jordan. But I think when you, when you start to mature, you look at it, you just have to look at the, the, the total body of work. What Michael Jordan has that nobody else does is 6-0 in the finals and never, won a game, and, never lo- and never had to play a game seven in the finals. But as you said earlier, I think, are you consistent with football and basketball? It's not yes. just about I hate, championships. I hate, that, I, hate the, I hate the 6 and 0 stat. I, yeah, I hate, I hate like the 6 that and 0. I never go to that. I never go to that. Ever. I never go to that. I mean, Magic is 5 and 4. He went nine times. Michael's 6 for 6, but he went 6. I do have one more thing. We got to shout out go ahead. Um, Bradley Beal, man. Got to shout out Bradley Beal. Did you see his Twitter account that. last night? I mean, Love I was feeling my ridiculous. man. I mean, I, it is. You go for 30 and 6. Gary, why are you sending us a break on Bradley Beal? You want to, you want, Gary playing it to wrap it up, be music. Gary, you he don't have no Bradley Beal stats you want to throw off? You want to shout out Bradley Beal? They about look, to kick you out of DC. There we go. I knew you had it. I knew you had it. I knew you had it. I'm like, man. Only player with 30 points a game, six assists a game, and not all NBA. Man, I mean, come on now. It's, it's, a, it's criminal. How about this, Mike Smith? Jim Carrey, one of my favorites and yours, I'm sure, is going to yep. play Joe, My- Joe Biden on Saturday Night Live. And I love this. Uh, first of all, because I just like talking about Jim Carrey. I think he's hilarious. And it just falls in the tradition of presidential impersonators on SNL, going way back to Dana Carvey and, and George Bush. Uh, recently, Alec Baldwin and Donald Trump. So I'm looking forward to this. How do you feel about? I know you're. I think you're a Jim Carrey fan, like I am. Are you? I love. I love Jim Carrey. I absolutely love Jim Carrey. A um, couple of things. One, I don't. I'm sure it'll be great. But in the pantheon of presidential impersonators, it's Baldwin as Trump is second to none. And even though this gentleman was not the president, wasn't even the nominee, it's like, bruh, Larry David. As um, as Bernie Sanders, I mean, it's that was I I got I I got him confused. I was like, wait, that's oh no, that's Larry David. Like it was that spot on. (laughs) Okay, well you know what they could not cast that better. Let's see some candidates though. Let's see some candidates uh, for 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 best. Yeah. (laughs) Me. (laughs) Hello. Was it barrel shaped? Uh, yes. Okay, right. You did some orange sunshine, Peter. Not gonna sacrifice jobs down here. Not gonna die. 
Daddy, help me. I never thought I'd win this thing and I won out. Wait. I felt like Lemony Snicket because I experienced a series of unfortunate events. My name is Uncle. No, no, don't correct me. I'm in charge now. Germany sucks. Your war failed. Prepare to go to war. <laughs> You know what, man? Yeah, listen. I say, I say, you I say, revise? I was told there would be no math all the time. I say, I, uh, Chevy Chase says, I was told there would be no math. Chevy Chase says, as, uh, as Nixon, I say that all the time. Uh, no, I'm not revising. Alec Baldwin's the goat when it comes to presidential impersonators. Um, Will Ferrell? I gotta go with. Well, who was Will it? Ferrell, oh, Gerald Ford. Man? I'm sorry. What I said, Nixon, Gerald Ford. I'm sorry. Gerald Ford. Sorry yeah. about that. Um, thanks for that catch. Um, but yeah, Larry David as, uh, as Bernie Sanders is, is where I would go. Um, so that's, that's going to be awesome. Yo, I got to give you a shout out because you, do you have an acting credit? Are you on IMDb? Are you on IMDb? No, it's not a setup. It's not a setup. You know what turns 10 today? I'm ready for you. One of my all time favorite movies, The Town. In my mind, just a notch, right, right there wasn't what? With The Departed, to me, my favorite movies set in Boston are The Departed and The Town. Ben Affleck's The Town, you, Michael Holly, you were in it as a radio voice. I think you were, your voice was emanating from an armored car, was it, if I'm not yeah, mistaken? that's right. On w, right WEI outside, days? Right outside Fenway Park. Um, I was in that movie. I think I made that movie. It was eight seconds. at my eight seconds of screen time. So without those eight seconds, I don't know what the town would be. By the way, you mentioned the town and the departed. They would be neck and neck if you would take out the last little movie review here uh, after the fact. If you took out the last 9 to 12 minutes of The Departed, The Departed would be a much better movie than The Town. But it got stupid at the end. It's got stupid. Okay, oh, here's another shoot him up. Oh, I'm going to shoot him. I'm going to shoot him. I got to shoot another one. Like, come on. We gonna, are we going to be serious here? We're going to have a movie. It's just like they couldn't, they couldn't figure out a way to end it, Mike Smith. So start you shooting are... everybody. Oh, my God. Come on. Can we cuss? Can I cuss? Yeah, you can cuss. At this point, man, can I, can, Gary, what do you think? Let, do me a favor, Gary. Ask Sam, ask Rick, ask me if I can cuss. But yeah, yes, cuss. Okay, yeah, ask. I, it, I, I, it depends I, on how far you want to go. I would go really far. I would call you everything but a child of God right now for slandering the town. First of all, I'd be remiss if I, I didn't the say departed, that, the departed. The departed. The departed. No, I wanted to say something about the town real quick, though. The town. Uh, my boy Basil Iwanek, Thunder Road Films, actually made that movie. So you have him to thank for your role <laughs> in the town. How well, can okay. anybody hey, say... Yo, Basil, how, how you only going to give a brother eight seconds? How about 14, how, 13, 14 seconds? Well, maybe because he knew your taste in movies sucked and he thought you'd say some stupidity, like The Departed, the last nine, ten minutes. Bruh, and falls like, apart. What is what do you mean the end falls apart? That is one of Scorsese's greatest movies, which is saying something. What do you mean the end falls apart? Get the okay, and, and that's a ooh, that's a brother from another for for another day. What is no, it's not greatest no. movie. Yes, the yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely, positively, bro. Okay, you have awful taste. I, honestly, you are not the man I thought you were. I will no longer call you my mentor. I am disowning you. I got to go back and change the name of the show because you are not my brother from another. God only knows what other stuff you got floating around in that big-ass head of yours. 
Did you hear me when I call, talk about your big head and all the ridiculous yeah. things that's floating around it? Okay, because I lost my, yeah. I couldn't hear you. you know, I didn't know if you heard me. No, I heard you. I heard you. I heard, I heard all the disrespectful things you were saying. And it's so funny because your head is much larger than mine. So I don't even take this stuff seriously. <laughs> I don't take it much seriously. You got a really large head. so it's I can't take you seriously at all. At all. I mean, your credibility <laughs> or really pretty much anything. <laughs> Is like, uh, what does he wait, know? Wait, wait, wait. Hey, which bothers you more, Patty Labelle or The Departed? Which one? Patty, which but one The Departed's you... close, and it's just week one. It's just week I, one. I, what I you may mean. honestly, uh, okay. I may alternate weeks this. with you. At Do this me this point. favor. Do me this favor. Seriously, straight up. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, when's the last time you watched The Departed? When's the last time? I watch it once a month. You don't? Do you really? I own it. All right. I own the town. So I own The you Departed. Know, I mean, so I, I don't do the right thing. I don't watch it once a month. I mean, I own a lot of movies. I don't watch them once a month. Why not? I, I, you know, you I know you to, up, go ahead. What you want me to do? Go ahead. I want you to go back. I want you to watch the last 20 minutes critically, critically, as if as if you are a guy, Wesley Morris from the New York Times. You know, like you just breaking it down like Wesley would. Like, what would Wesley say? I bet you Wesley's on my side. Watch it critically. No, I bet she's not. I will. And, I will. And, I will watch. And tell me. Fact, you act like I ain't seen it before. Uh, do we do we have Chris Sims? Do we have our our new teammate here at NBC? Chris, hey Chris, good to see you. What's up, Chris Sims? Good to see you. How you doing, man? What's have up, you ever Chris? seen? Have you ever seen The Departed? Yes. First off, I'm with you. Okay. Well, I'm with the other guy, Michael Holly. You do have the bigger head, just so you know. Oh, just so you oh, know okay, that right, your okay. head's bigger. Okay, that's fair. That's I fair, do that's like fair. The Departed and The Town yeah. really a lot. Like, I think they're okay. really good movies. Okay, great. Okay, I, you know, I accept it. I accept it. But, you know, I just, that was, a, that was the only thing I could say that was clean because I wanted to say a lot of other <laughs> unpleasant things when he was talking about. Um, save it for the, the podcast. Save it for, save, save it for the brother from another podcast. You can just be fair. Yeah, exactly. So, so, Chris, a, another conversation we were having earlier was we were just talking about Patrick Mahomes uh, being 25 today and the career that he's, he's off to right now. And that got us going into like greatest of all time conversations. And we ended up on Aaron Rodgers. And I said, while Brady is the GOAT, he has all the accolades, he has everything, but the best person I've ever seen throw the football is Aaron Rodgers. The best passer, the best executor of the position from down money is Aaron Rodgers. What say you? Well, I, that's why I like you, because I agree with that. I do. You know, I, I know the conversation is always about rings, 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 and that's all we ever talk about this day and age in professional sports. Well, if, if that's the case, you know, I'll use an old line then people need to start saying Phil Sims is better than Dan Marino. Cause I mean, that's a lie. <laughs> all right. He's not better than Dan Marino. So it's more than about just rings. Not everybody gets the ability to be on a really good football team with a great coaching staff and, and everything that can support your talents. Yeah. For my money, Michael, Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback I've ever seen in my life. And as clean as he played that position for a long time in a system that I would say is not that creative it's kind of basic for the most part of his career it thrived on him and his talents making it go that's why every now and then when they played a great defense we went what's going on here and i would just go yeah but they have like basically a, a high school offense compared to what the patriots some other great offenses do and rogers was able to make you know chicken salad out of chicken you know what a lot of years and for me as far as athlete uh, extending plays, arm, quick release, accuracy. I've never seen anybody better than Aaron Rodgers. Well, Chris Sims, I want to say this. Uh, first, 
I've been a big fan from way back until about just about 30 seconds ago. So I'm a big fan of yours. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate hey, that. You, you, you are another brother from another, okay? You, you, you're with us. Uh, I, I don't agree with that position. Okay, uh, you talk about quarterbacks and how Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback you've seen play that position. So give me, like, three characteristics of what makes a quarterback great. Because I agree with you. I agree. It, it can't be just rings. That's just too simplistic. But it is a it's a position of totality, as you know. Yes. So give me three things that you gotta have when you come to that conclusion of this guy's the best at it. Sure. You know, I think I think the first thing would be consistent high level play, right? I think that would be the first thing you would need to, to ever be in that great conversation. And when we're talking about a sixteen game year, like the great quarterbacks of all time basically have great 13 games and maybe have two or three every year where you just go, Ooh, I don't know about that. So I think that would be one that would jump out to me, you know, two, your ability to make plays within the system, you know, read the defense the right way, make the appropriate throw and then make the throw at a high level to where the, the, the wide receiver can run and do things after the catch. And you can capitalize on that. And then I think the biggest point to me, and this is where I probably maybe over, estimate Rogers greatness or whatever compared to other people. I'm big into when nothing's there to be had, right? And the coach doesn't call the right play or not. Everybody has Sean Payton or Josh McDaniels. They can still make it happen. And that's what I just think. I look at Aaron Rodgers. There's so many games where, yeah, I'm a nerd. I watch film and do that where I go, okay, nobody's open. Nobody's open. Nobody's open. Oh, here he is dancing around the pocket. Oh, 40 yard gain. And there was nothing there to be had. And that, to me, would be probably the th- three things I would say that jump out to me about, you know, great quarterback play. All right. Something we talked about earlier as well, man. We'll get your take on it and, and more about the Thursday night matchup between the Browns and the Bengals. Obviously, two uh, former number one picks, most recently Joe Burrow, a couple of years ago, Baker Mayfield. Yo, man, I, I don't mean to be ridiculous, but maybe it's not a ridiculous question. And maybe it says more about Baker Mayfield's struggles last year and week one against a very good Baltimore Ravens team in fairness. But right now, if we were starting from scratch and starting a team, and I got to pick between what I saw from Joe Burrow at LSU and in one start for the Bengals and Baker Mayfield, I'm taking Joe Burrow to start my team. What say you? Well, I, I think that's a good question. I'd like to see a little bit more of Joe Burrow now just on the NFL field. Now, I don't really have any doubt that he will be successful uh, the guy he really reminded me of coming out in the draft was really Peyton Manning with his ability to dissect the defense as quick as anybody that I've seen, you know, recognize where the right part or right place to throw the football and then throwing the ball on the money. And then also, like we just talked about, you saw a little last week when there is nothing there, he's very athletic and can create on his own. So I get what you're saying. And Baker Mayfield Really, since his rookie year, it seems to be going downward, on a downward spiral. I'm not ready to throw in the towel with Baker Mayfield yet. I'm really not. I know he's got talent. The one thing I'll say to you guys, yeah, the play is all over the place right now. Bad decisions, missed throws, uh, you know, careless with the football, bad footwork and technique at times. I think that's the thing that's concerning to me. And I think the other thing that's concerning to me, like when you take the guys out of Baker Mayfield's draft, right? Lamar Jackson, Sam Darnold, uh, Josh Allen. I look at Lamar Jackson and I go, I know what's elite about him. I mean, I see plenty of elite traits. Josh Allen, 
you know, whether you like him or not, I think we could all agree there's some elite traits there, whether it's athleticism or or an unbelievable arm. You go, oh, there's something Mm -hmm. to build off of there. And even Sam Darnold, it's hard to see because the team around him has been crap, but his ability to throw any ball other than deep balls, intermediate throws, he is unbelievable quick release accuracy and can move in the pocket. So what I'm saying is I, what is Baker Mayfield's elite trait? That, that's where I come back to lately to go, what is it that we can really build on and go, this is what he's awesome at. We need to see more. I see a good in a lot of areas, but I don't see yeah. great anywhere. And I see some bad pop up every now and then. And that's what concerns me about Baker. I'm going to ask you a question I asked uh, Michael Smith earlier. I want you to stay in the family. But let's say Jimmy Haslam calls you and says, all right, Chris, I heard you say you watch a lot of film, and, hey, we want you to be our new general manager because that seems like that's how he makes decisions sometimes, just like seeing <laughs> the fans. All right, they make you the general manager. How would you fix the Cleveland Browns? Or would you just turn down the job? Well, no, I, I wouldn't turn down the job. I, I, or maybe I would right now. I got a good job right now, and they're paying me pretty damn well. I don't know if I want to go to Cleveland and then it. just get fired, you know, in a few years. I'm sorry. My dogs are barking right now. I don't know if you can hear them. That's good. We I love it. We love You're authenticity. Oh, Bring, it on. Bring them on the show. Bring them on the show. It, That's fine. Okay. All right. So if I was going to go to Cleveland, to me it is about just a whole culture that has never been correct or right or anything like that. I do think they're on the right track, but, you know, I don't know how you fix that. They have the roster there. It's about really at some point they got to pick the right coach and GM that can just turn it all around. I don't think there's any magic thing I could say or would do, you know, to the the roster or the organization that you'd go, oh, that's what they're doing wrong. That makes sense. No, there's never been any continuity there, nothing to build on as far as winning. And it is going to take like that special person to kind of come in there and get it all figured out and cohesive and together. So I don't mean to be in a cop-out type answer there, but I think it's a very broad, big, uh, philosophical culture. Everything about that organization and that town has to change. The media has got to back off the Browns a little bit. That'd be another thing I'd talk about. I mean, whatever they do, they're all over it there in Cleveland. Yeah, that ain't so, happening. Uh, that, right, that, that ain't happening. Forget that. That's no, it. it's not. Um, so I don't uh, know. It's not an easy fix. It's going to be something that no takes doubt. a little time, and it's got to be kind of worked into the DNA of the culture there in Cleveland. All right, before we let you go, I'm going to ask you a, a fun story. I, I'm sorry if I missed it and you weighed in on this earlier this week. But a coach you know well, John Gruden, did, felt, a little, felt some kind of way for his quarterback, Derek Carr, <laughs> You know, working in Cindy Gruden into a, a, an audible or a check at the line of scrimmage. He didn't know about it because there's no fans. He heard it. And John Gruden said, quote, he needs to keep my wife's name out of his mouth. So oh, wow. <laughs> two-part question. <laughs> One, do you think Gruden, knowing him like you do, do you think he was really in his feelings about that? And two, what is the funniest audible or a check that you can repeat on sure. air to us? Yeah, sure. I go. There's a, The best ones I probably can't repeat on air, but all right, yeah. first off, John Gruden, I don't he wasn't really like upset about Derek Carr. Nothing yeah. happens in that offense unless John Gruden says so. <laughs> so I can right. promise you that John Gruden is the one that put in the language of Cindy in one of those audibles. Now we just hear <laughs> it because there's no fans in the stand, but I guarantee that was totally a John Gruden thing. And he just and having fun with the media. 
Right, right, exactly. And he's having fun <laughs> with it and going to bust Derek Carr with it. And, yeah, he might CYA yeah. in case his wife gets mad at him. But we exactly. had a lot of different code words. I'll tell you, here's two that jump out to me that I think are safe to say. So we had dummy snap count. What, what, the code words, we'd break the huddle, and I'd say either Rocker, as in John Rocker, or Mike Tyson. They were code words because they were kind of dummies. So that meant dummy snap count. All right? All right? Yep, sorry. It's not always the nicest thing in the world. We had A, a lot of commentary screen. goes into this. A lot of commentary. It does because yeah. you want guys to not have to think about it, right? So you got to give something that kind of correlates. And, yeah, John Rocker, after his comments on the subway and all that, he classifies yeah. as a world-class dummy, right? Then yeah. – we another one I love. We had the bubble screen to the receivers out in the flat there. And yeah. we the bubble screen, we made a signal for like a bubble butt. And at that time, the best bubble butt going around was J-Lo. So I would give the old butt side and say, J-Lo, J-Lo. And now the receivers and everybody knew we were going to throw this wide receiver bubble screen on the edge. So that's just a little taste of the John Gruden offense. It's so funny. now hey, I have to. Now I got to ask you to kind of like, if politely, could you stand and demonstrate this? Possibly, I don't know if your if your setup allows you to do this. Could you stay? Yeah, could you actually? Probably demonstrate? not. Probably not. But Give like Jayla would have been, it would have been like, let me get back here just a little more. You know, we would have showed the butt. I'd be like J Lo, J Lo, J Lo, J Lo. <laughs> oh my God, A Rod, come get your boy. <laughs> oh man, a, that's dope. Here's the funny thing. The funny thing. The safeties, the safeties and corners would be like, bubble screen, bubble screen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. They knew exactly what was coming. They pointed out. Well, you, you, do, you do run across that where defenses, especially in your division, start to catch up on these signals. And then you got to use some fake ones. Or I learned once on NFL films that the Carolina Panthers knew one of our checks. I went to Gruden that week and I said, hey, I was watching inside the NFL and they were talking about our checks on the sideline, on you know the microphone there. So we played them a few weeks later, and we used the same checks to set up other plays. We knew they were going to audible to another defense, and we and when I said this fake audible, we really had the play on to screw them over for that audible they were going to do on their side, and it worked. So sometimes, yeah, you got to be ahead of the curve and realize that you know there are people paying attention to your point, uh, Michael Holly. All right, hey man, I feel like I need man. to. I feel like I need to button my shirt. So you do that, and you'll get, you'll be podcast. even cooler. Yeah, yes. yeah. You know what? Actually, I, I might do this for the rest of the show. You no, can do it. My head so big, not, my neck is not that big, shirt, so I might have to give me a little. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not that shirt. Make, hey, make, Chris, make uh, another shirt, Mike. Yeah. Anytime, guys. Be good. I'm loving the show, man. You Keep too. kicking butt. Thank you. Come back soon. Thank you. See ya. Man, that was not with that shirt. You can't button that oh. up with that shirt. Maybe a different one. Okay. See that? You see that? Um, I, I, don't know. I don't know about that one. Okay. So, look, I want to get – remember I told you I had something about the Steelers I wanted to get to with you? Yeah. This, this story just keeps – yeah, this story. Have you been following this story? So Yes, I have. The Steelers agreed – yeah, going into week one, for those that don't know, the Steelers agreed um, to wear the name of uh, Antoine Rose Jr., a black teenager killed by East Pittsburgh police in 2018 on the backs of their helmets. They agreed as a team to do that for the entire 2020 season. Al Villanueva, who is an Army Ranger, very pro-military, as you know, and a couple of years back when the rest of the team stayed in the locker room, he came out in the tunnel with his hand on his heart for the national anthem. He covered up Rose's name and wrote um, Army Sergeant First Class Alwyn Cachet's name 
on the back of his helmet. He's a black soldier who was killed on duty in Iraq and posthumously awarded the Silver Star for heroism. Now come to find out, this is where it really gets interesting, is Marquise Pouncey today put on Instagram basically what amounted to an apology, if not a declaration that Blue Lives Matter. He said, I want to personally clarify what transpired this past Monday night in regards to having Antoine Rose's name on the back of the helmet. He talked about the uh, limited information that he claims to have gotten regarding the situation. Right. He cited his work with police. And he was like, moving forward, I will make my own decision about what to wear on the back of my helmet. So now you have Villanova Wave of breaking ranks. You got Pouncey breaking ranks. And you have them both deflecting from the conversation and conflating what the conversation is really about, Michael Holly. What's your take on this? Yeah, okay. This, this is what I think of it. One, I kind of respect this aspect of it. it. They just got there a little, they got there in a, in a, in a, uh, in a very circuitous way. Uh, big words here, big words, circuitous, ooh. Uh, but they got there in, in, a, in a backwards way. Look, we can't pretend like all of these teams are just going to be on board and all agree on these, on these issues that we, we don't all agree on. So why even try to do it? Don't do it. You're either going to go all in as a team and say, is everybody cool with this? Is everybody all right? Because this is what we're going to do. If you have dissent from three people, four people, or two people in this case, it's just better to move away from it. So that let's just. But that's not what that happened aside. here, though, Michael. I know. Well, I know. But they what they did is, and this is why I don't like. I I, don't, I can't stand workplaces like this. I think what happened is they agree, they all agreed to do it, right? They all they agreed all agreed. Villain the way caught him off guard. He surprised us. It was a little backdoor. I can't stand that. I can't stand that. Let's yeah. be real. Let's be real about it. I hate it when people say, okay, when they nod their heads, they nod their yeah. heads like they're feeling you. And then they take another route. Yeah. I will respect you more, even if I don't agree with you, because I'm a grown-up. I know yeah. you're not going to see everything the same way I see it. But at least be straight up with me and say, well, I don't like that. I don't, I don't want to do that with yeah. my helmet. And if you do that, I think it's just better. And you go in another direction as a team. Here's the other thing I want to say. Yeah. Mike. Yeah, go ahead. With Pouncey, he raised more questions for me with his Instagram post than he did shut down some, uh, shut down some issues. He said, there, there's limited information. Well, I read the story just like he did. What am I missing? Yeah. It was a, it was a, it was a, rookie, it was a rookie cop on the job for three weeks. Cop says he didn't know. He thought somebody had a gun. We've heard this story before. Thought somebody had a gun. Didn't sure, he wasn't sure who had the gun. He shot this uh, young man three times in the back. Yeah. What am I missing? He was acquitted. Is that the information? That's out there. And, and, and quite frankly, we've seen that story before too. A lot of times, mm -hmm. you have these police shootings, the shooter has been acquitted. Yep. So, Marquis, uh, uh, Pouncey, tell me this in your next post so I can be educated. What is the missing information that you have and the rest of us don't. Yeah, look, and information. That's, that's my challenge. Too often, that's my challenge to him. Give me the information. Yeah. And I'll consider information, it. Information too oftentimes nowadays is, is, is often subjective and shaky. For policy, like I said, this was basically a post to saying Blue Lives Matter. 
Uh, policy, and let me preface it by saying I, I respect law enforcement, um, generally speaking. Um, but policy is a guy that thinks that the answer to police brutality is, is ride-alongs. He thinks it's the answer to police brutality is, let me support the police. So Pouncey, he does, he does a lot of work with Florida police. And, and, I, and I get and his... And Pittsburgh. And his, Pittsburgh police as well. And Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh. I get his affection for, for law enforcement. I know his family history and this, that, and the other. But okay, man. It's like, we're talking about police, police brutality. And it's a subtle and yet popular and, uh, and, and, and you know, frequent attempt you know, to deflect from the police, the issue of police brutality by now taking the side of, of law enforcement and saying, well, they have such a tough job or, you know, uh, well, well, it's, 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 it's the same old trite. It's, it's, from the, it's from the playbook that we've seen years and for years and years now when it comes to like, hey, man, you know, that's you're, you're this is not just him making an individual decision. This is him intentionally running counter to what your teams have agreed to and what the conversation is. We, we are talking about police brutality. Right. It does exist. It does happen. And now, from somewhere, he's got some information like you're talking about, and now he's decided, oh, I'm sorry, let me come out and make clear where I stand on this issue, which is, hey, we got to do a better job of supporting cops. No, we got to do a better job of getting rid of getting rid of killer cops is what we have to do a better job of. So that's my that's my pouncy thing in holding them accountable. That's my pouncy part. Villanueva, Villanueva, you know, we talked about the town earlier. Be slicker than a six year old. And let me be clear, man. Nothing but respect for people in our military. Nothing but respect for people in our military. I respect Villanueva. Thank you for his service. But this is feeding into the conflation of the Black Lives Matter movement and specifically the player led protests started by Colin Kaepernick in 2016 of, of kneeling during the national anthem in peaceful protests against the issue of police brutality. This is the practice of conflating that with some kind of anti-military stance. And because, again, rest in peace to Sergeant First Class Alwyn Cachet, rest in peace, and, and he gave his life for our country. But supporting Antoine Rose Jr. has nothing to do with a fallen soldier. And so right. now... You're bringing in a military commentary into this situation by, by, by honoring him. In other words, saying, no, I'm not going to honor the victim of police brutality, which is what we all agreed to do as a team or what this conversation is about. I'm going to bring the military into it, which is that classic play that people have been doing for years now, conflating the, uh, kneeling kneel, the practice of kneeling during right. the national anthem with some kind of anti-military stance. I said this last week, Michael. I said it at the beginning of this week when we talked about, you know, the week one demonstrations. We cannot get unity and consensus. We can't get those two things mixed up. There will not be unity and consist, cons consensus in this issue. Teamwork is not going to make this particular dream work. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Because what you have right now is guys in that locker room we talked about Mike Tomlin and his ability to manage personalities. Guys in that locker room are now going their separate ways, doing their own thing, and, but, and, but that's and a adding lot of, I think that's a lot of to the teams, conversation. Though. I think that's yeah. a lot of teams. I think that's a lot of people, not, not just football, but in, in industries uh, across North America. But I would say this very quickly, and, and this is something that we will bookmark and keep talking about because it's not going away. It's an issue that's not going away. I think, but if you really, if I had to find a common denominator to all of this commentary, and, hey, well, what about this? What about that? 
It is this notion, I think, uh, misguided notion that to be critical of something is to be against it. No, I can be critical of it, my family, my country, my workplace, what did, my industry. What did, what did Baldwin say? I love my country and therefore I reserve the right to criticize her perpetually? Right. I can be critical of it and still love it. I can, I can point out a flaw in it without bringing down the entire industry. I'm a journalist. I feel no, I feel no, um, I feel no obligation to defend Stephen Glass, who made up stuff. I feel no obligation to defend Jason Blair, who made up stuff. This, that should not happen. They, 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 they invented characters. They invented stories. They invented quotes. They were journalists. They were bad journalists. They're probably good writers, but bad journalists. So do I love journalism? Yes, I do. But you can still be critical of, of something that is not right in your profession. So if you are in law enforcement and you do the job well, God bless you. I love you. I respect you. You are necessary. But you can also be critical of your profession when your profession has gone left. And let me also See, be I can't fair. say gone left and because then that becomes political. Well, it has gone askew. Okay. <laughs> let me be fair. In, his, in, in Ponzi's post, he also says systemic racism issues have occurred in our country for too long and that needs to stop. My focus will continue to be on helping the police in our communities. And I will support making any necessary changes to help those efforts. He said, make no mistake, I'm against racism. And the best thing we can do to continue helping repair relationships uh, between the police and their communities. So, look, all I'm saying is, is like these two acts to me undermine a conversation which frankly shouldn't be a conversation. As in my humanity, people that look like me, our humanity is not a conversation. It's not up for discussion. But when you do stuff like this, it just only serves to deflect from what the real issue is. Again, rest in peace to Army Sergeant First Class Alwyn Cache. I get you know, him being killed on duty in Iraq. I get that. But they had agreed as a team to honor a victim of police brutality and for Villain Nueva to do his own thing and now for Pouncey to come back and claim that he got information. You're also making the rest of your team look as though they don't know what they're talking about. You're, you're hurting the credibility. That's if you, if Russell Wilson has never gotten so much as an MVP vote, that count, that constitutes underappreciated and underrated for a guy who not only is a first ballot Hall of Famer, who is putting together the kind of career that makes him one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time right now. I love, I love watching him play. I think he is underrated. I, I know, I know we use that. I, I, I even use that term too much, but in this case, it's accurate. So, Mike, so, yo, we, yesterday, yeah. yesterday, well, Tuesday, we talked about Russell Wilson. We were giving him lots of love. He was named the NFC Offensive Player of the Week. And, you know, Mike, I wonder if everybody was listening to our conversation, especially somebody that I know pretty well, known for a long time. You shared some drinks with him, even though you don't remember it. Uh, you shared some drinks with him after he won the Super Bowl, his first Super Bowl. Super Bowl 36 in your hometown of New Orleans. Uh, Bill Belichick was talking about Russell Wilson. Check this out. This guy's a tremendous player. Um, honestly, I think he's, you know, in a way maybe underrated by, by the media or the fans. I don't know. But, I mean, I don't, I don't really see anybody better than this player. I mean, I Friend don't know what he's talking about. 
friend of the show, Bill Belichick. He'll come on. He'll come on one day. I'm sure he will. But what's he talking about? He wants. He should be watching brother from another. Russell Wilson is he is underrated because a lot of people don't talk about him where they should. You say Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback you've ever seen. You can make an argument that Russell Wilson has accomplished as much as Aaron Rodgers. And to go with Chris Sims's point, because I was listening very closely, I want to get him on the record with some yep. of his characteristics of great quarterbacking. When nothing's there, when the pre- when the play breaks down, you make something happen. In your mind's eye, don't you go to Russell Wilson? When I say that? You know what? Russell Wilson has, doesn't have great offensive lines a lot of times. Nope, not, not a great offensive line, yeah. not great wide receivers. Yeah. Makes it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Throws no, a great no, no, no question. So, so maybe inadvertently, you know, throughout the, today's show, we've we talked about who's the best quarterback now or going to go down as the best of all time or the best to ever do it, or blah, blah, blah. We might be underrated Russell Wilson. So maybe we, you know, contradicting ourselves. But I will say this, though. I, okay, I'll take it a step farther. I'll take it a step farther. Because Belichick, if I believe, he didn't say, I don't see another quarterback um, who is playing better than him. He said, I don't see another player out there that's playing better than him. So, okay, let's broaden it out. NFL Network, I believe, when they they do their top 100, they had him as the number two player in the league in in their recent rankings. They had Lamar Jackson, one. They had Russell Wilson, two. And I believe Aaron Donald, three. Who, not only because he's a handsome guy, inside joke. Oh, okay. Uh, but 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 he's a little I mean, more, I think he's he's a little more talented though. He's a little more talented. A lot more, and definitely more cut up, um, and better at his job than I am at mine. But that said, um, I would say he's the best player. But I'd ask you, do, can you make a case for Russell Wilson as the best player in the NFL right now? Can you make that case? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I. Because, I mean, you're talking about this, t- this top five list. Anytime a player is in the top five, yeah, that means they're in the conversation as, as the best player in the league. And you look at his accomplishments, you look at what he's done recently, you look at his body of work, absolutely, right now. And he's not, he's not on the decline. You know, if you go body of work, obviously it's Brady. But if you go last three or four years, last five years, yeah, Russell Wilson's right in that conversation. Yeah, not not really a no hot. Question. That's not a hot take. I thought you wanted me to go to some hot take. That's not really that hot. If you got it, go to a hotter one. But no, take, I, mean, I don't know. Go, how can you go hotter than that? Beat. I mean, that's turn up but, the heat. Right, this this how you get hotter. You get hotter. You say somebody who doesn't belong in the conversation is the best player. Yeah. But I, I'm not. I'm not yeah, no. willing to do that. It's 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 why it's why underrated uh, snubs have always bothered me. Those conversations always bother me because like, okay, if he was snubbed, who you taking off? Or if he was underrated. What should he be rated that he's not rated? Like if you say he's top five, then who comes out? You know, that's yeah, hot take the, would be, the second part of hot it. Hot take would be I'd rather have Joe Burrow than Baker Mayfield. That, that, that's kind of hot. No, not, that's not, no, not at all. Uh, I'm, I'm going to move to some more company. How about you? Yeah, of course. Let's just talk to some people. You know this face. Oh, look at that smile. I have missed that smile. <laughs> Jane McManus, the pride of Marist College. My boss for a second. I don't know if I was Regular there. Right? You set up a sports boss, communication at Marist. You hired me for a semester. You hired me. You know, <laughs> didn't feel also like also a phenomenal boss, writer. Yeah, you know, it, it was fantastic semester working uh, for you, working in your department at, at Marist College. I met a lot of great kids. Will says hi, in particular. Um, 
Yes, uh, the whole whole class was great. Whole group was great, and a, a phenomenal columnist for many years. Currently at Deadspin, loving reading your work there. Relatively new career move for you. Um, where should we start with? First of all, how are you doing? How is your family? How are you handling the pandemic? How is everybody doing? Uh, in still in quarantine, kind of sort of. Yeah, aren't I mean, aren't we all kind of ha- like not quite sure exactly? I mean, I'm not going to raves every night anymore. Like that's been cut off. Um, yeah, but it's different. You know, we're on campus. And so students have to wear masks when they're not in their dorm rooms and the classes are socially distanced. I'm I'm holding my my sports and culture class outside where we can all be together, at least, even though we're all masked and we can have a conversation. But I, I just things don't quite feel normal. And I mean, I think I mean, I think that's kind of reflected even in the way we're watching sports. Right. Like the ratings are down and. I, I think it's still kind of confusing. Things are playing outside of season, so it doesn't really feel like the usual season and, and with college sports as well. So I just, I don't know. I mean, we're doing well, but I think we're all just kind of in this limbo, it feels like, until things are, our lives get back on some sort of schedule or track. What do you, what's your take on, on college sports, um, you know, coming back? We talked a lot about the Big Ten's return. Predictably, the Pac-10 has followed suit. College basketball is back. Jane, I just feel like this is such a, a such a setback for the momentum of the empowerment of historically and traditionally exploited college athletes. It's like if, if this doesn't prove that they're employees, I don't know what does. They got access to technology and testing that the rest of the student body does not. They don't have a seat at the table when it comes to negotiating and discussing the protocols. And yet they're being put out there to play. Is is what are they, we, we care about health and safety in so much as it you know affects your ability to get out there and make us more money. So just generally speaking, what's your take on colleges coming back in the midst of the pandemic to sports? Hundred percent. I feel that it's the one part of sports where people are not able to make truly informed you know decisions because they're not paid. They're not able to balance the income versus the risk. And I think one of the things that's been gratifying in a, lo- in a lot of sports as they come back is that players get to make that decision. They get to say, okay, this is worth it to me. I'm going to put the red. And, and you have football in particular is a sport where a lot of those players are going to have the quote pre-existing condition of a, a high BMI. And that's one of the things that this particular virus really likes is a high BMI. And so I think to put those players in particular out there and say, okay, you're going to be going out and taking the risk because our economy can't stand to not have college football. We need it too much. Uh, it is. It's absolutely making them an essential worker. I, I feel like there's there's no way around that. Um, and I think it does skew the priorities of colleges. Like your your priority should be to serve your students. I, I didn't, I, I mean, I, did, I wasn't sure what to make of the NBA and the WNBA and MLB when they were kind of planning their comebacks, especially when with MLB, you had so many positive cases and really outbreaks on teams, but they seem to have been able to figure out a way to do it that that feels like they've hit some sort of status quo on it. And that's, you know, that's good. I'm glad. I'm, I was not necessarily anticipating that that was what was going to be happening. So it's nice to be able to see that there are not a lot of cases coming out of that. College football, you're dealing with like rosters of 100 players, you know, and personnel, and they're all going back into their classrooms, which is the point of having an education. So to me, it just feels like college football in particular and the way that it's come about, it's just the case in point that our priorities are a little messed up when it comes to who we're getting back, how we're getting them back, why we're getting certain classes of people back and not others. 
you know, I'm, I, you know, I know, I know you have kids, so you're in the same boat. Like my kids are zooming into their classrooms from their bedrooms. And to me, it's just like, we need to figure out as a culture, kind of what's, what are our priorities and who should we be getting back and doing that rather than this business had a lot of money so they can afford the testing. So they get to be back. You know, that's a perfect transition, Jane, because you talk about those priorities kind of, uh, just kind of screwed up. Well, this is a story of impeccable priorities. We talked about it yesterday, Maya Moore. I'm sure you've had the pleasure of, of interviewing her and covering her in the past, uh, whether at, at UConn or in her pro career. Great story uh, about her uh, marrying someone she fought to, to uh, release from prison, free from prison, and just her story overall of taking time away from her NBA career to pursue this goal. Just, uh, just I wonder what, what you thought of both of these stories uh, and the culmination of them yesterday. Right. Well, I saw the news come across like my Twitter feed, like so many many people probably experienced that yesterday. And I was like, what? Oh. <laughs> it <kinda> like <laughs> made a little bit of sense there, what was happening. And I'm not saying that she didn't do it out of the goodness of her heart and that it was not a genuine connection and that that's why they got together but it did make sense a little bit that that was you know that she felt that kind of ardent way about pursuing um his in the injustice that that he was facing that she felt that personal connection to it and that that made it a little bit more uh important for her and i think you know anybody who's ever fallen in love with somebody or been in love with somebody or felt like someone was wronged or felt a connection like that it you know it does add a little something in the way that you or thinking about it. Um, so that was kind of my mind was like, Oh yeah. Oh, okay. That makes sense. But, um, but I think, you know, she is somebody who I, and I did cover her when she was at UConn. I do remember I sat down once with her and her mom for an interview and, um, they both struck me as like just two of the coolest people that I'd oh, ever yeah. encountered. Oh, yeah. And so for, to see this happen, I mean, not surprised, you know, not surprised that it would come from her. And I remember thinking with her, like, even as I was sitting down, the, uh, you know, those years ago, thinking, you know, this is a woman who is bound for something big. Like, she's going to make a mark. She's going to be doing something huge. I don't know what that's going to be yet. Is it going to just be basketball or is it going to be more than that? Because she just, I, there's something about her. There's like, a, she has a, a presence that I think is, um, that's impressive if you're, if you're in her in her company. So I was not surprised. Um, i glad to see, you know, she's so happy. You can see how oh happy God, she yeah. is in that interview. Yeah. She's glowing. Uh, before we let you go, Jane McManus, um, quick question. What, cause I'm, you know, the professor in me is curious, Michael's in, in academia as well. What you mentioned your sports and culture class. What's the conversation that you guys are, are honing in on right now in your sports and culture class before we let you go? Well, so this morning we had class, we talked about fans and um, fan culture. And so we're, we're kind of following along with uh, this textbook that was written by Andrew Billings, and it's a great book. But I have to see so much of it is obsolete now in the moment of COVID because our ability to be fans has been disrupted, right? Tailgating is different. Gathering together in community is different. Going to bars is different. Sitting in the stands, like, if you can do that, that's different too. So all of these different rituals that we used to have around the way that we consume sports has completely changed. And I, and I know that, you know, some people have, have kind of taken that interest online. I mean, you know, speaking of Russell Wilson, my fantasy team does start him. So I feel, you know, I got to jump on that one. But, um, 
you know, it's just that the, so the whole, a lot of, a lot of these rituals and cultures are kind of moving online, but that's not quite, it's not quite the same. There really is this physical gathering, I think, that goes around sports. And that's part of why people really connect with sports and their communities. And um, that whole thing has changed. And so we're having um, Kavitha Davidson and Jessica Luther to discuss their new book on for Saturday's awesome. class uh-huh, about um, loving sports when they don't love you back. Awesome. See, that's why it was so much fun to work with you at Maris last semester. I learned a lot. I had a good time. So good to see you, Jay McManus. Thanks for joining brother from another. My, my sister from another mister. Thank you for joining brother That's right. Another. Thank you. That's Thank, right. you Thank you, Jay. <laughs> Come back anytime. <laughs> Appreciate it. Hey, uh, Gary, how much time we I would got? Love to see some, I'd love to see some footage of you in the classroom. Yeah. How much time we got, Gary? Your, we got a couple of minutes? Your, oh, hey, I want to go back like? to that Pittsburgh. Oh, it was pretty good. But hey, Michael, hold on for a second. I want to go back to um, a Pittsburgh thing for a second. So you know my man, Dwayne, West Point graduate, one of right. my best friends, another one of my brothers from another, uh, my business partner as well. He live texts me during the show. He watched, he's watching the show. And so he was drawn to my attention. And I'm going to have a conversation with him about it later. I'm going to listen to him more than I talk when I talk to him. He was talking about going back to uh, Alwyn Cache, um, the soldier who was killed in Afghanistan, a lot of duty. Right. Black dude. Uh, there's conversation within the military about the fact that he should have been awarded the Medal of Honor, um, the highest honor that you can get. And that race sure. is at the center of the reason why he has not received uh, the highest honor. It's, it's a, it, you know, that, it, that if he were white, he would have gotten, um, you know, the Medal of Honor. So it's, it is a racial conversation going on specifically within the military community. And so what I will say to Dwayne, because I asked him, I was like, he said it was more nuanced to the Villanueva, you know, act of, of replacing the, the victim of police brutality with the soldier's yeah. name, the fallen soldier's name. I said, is there anything I said, you know, that I need to take back or I need to apologize or did it, did it undermine, it, undermine it? And so we'll have that conversation later. I would just say I was familiar with that story. But and so I want to share with you, share with the viewers, see if it changed your perspective at all, that it was a race related or racism uh, issue that Villanueva was addressing. For me, it doesn't change it in so much that this is still about police brutality. And he broke ranks, ironically. Villanueva was also a West Point yeah. grad. He broke ranks from a team for a second time on this particular issue right. of combating and speaking out against police brutality. And while his other call, the, 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 um, the military cause, is certainly a worthy one, absolutely. But in this time and in this position, they had agreed as a team to, to collectively speak out against police brutality. So I was aware of that. I want to acknowledge it, but it doesn't really change where yeah. I'm at. But I look forward to talking to Dwayne about it later and listening to him. Yeah, definitely. Uh, listening is, is big for all of us. All of us. I call you on three-way. In, in, uh, in, in these conversations. But no, it doesn't change it for me either. Look, okay, can we just say it's all right if every team doesn't have the ability to do this. Now, what's disappointing with the Steelers is, as you pointed out, twice they thought they had the ability to do something as a team and they couldn't do it. So leave the ideal out of, out of it and deal with the reality. Your team cannot unanimously come together and decide to do something like this. Because twice you've tried. I know two different years and, and, and rosters change every year. Yeah. But one guy is involved in, in both of those in both of those transactions, in both of those attempts to come together. It's all right. It really is all right. 
Because yeah. you, Michael Smith, you said something earlier uh, this week, or or maybe you said it last week, but you said there's a, a performative aspect to some of the protests. Yeah. And and I, I think it is performative if you think you can come out as a team and everybody is not on board, but you are pretending as if everybody is on board. I would rather you just come out and everybody says, hey, we, we see this differently, but we're on the same team. I will listen to you. Uh, I respect you. But I can't if you all want it, we, we can't all kneel together because I don't want to kneel. Uh, we can't all stay in the locker room because I don't want to stay in the locker room. If you are not, if you don't have the ability to do that as a team, don't do it. Don't try. Because yeah. I think this yeah. looks worse. Hey, man. How hard is this? Oh, look at oh, look Honestly, how hard nice. is this? Not but, very no, but hard. How hard is this? That's a nice how, how hard is it? Honestly, how oh. hard is it to wear this? I, I, need, I oh. need to get something off my chest. I need to get something off Go my ahead. chest. Because, listen. I, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm numb to Trump at this point, but I'm used to his madness. I'm used to his mm -hmm. nonsense. Like I've come to expect it. Literally, nothing can be said about him or something that he's done. There's more news today that I would put past him or that would surprise me. Um, and I don't know what the bottom is for him. I don't know what, what low he can sink to. But somehow... 200 deaths, 200,000, excuse me, 200,000 deaths, American deaths into this pandemic with no end in sight. Somehow, we are still discussing masks and whether masks are effective. Yesterday, Trump contradicted Dr. Robert R. Redfield, the head of the CDC, who said that Unless and until this effective virus is available to the, excuse me, effective vaccine for the virus is available to the public sometime in 2021, we need to be social distancing and wearing masks. In fact, wearing a mask might actually be better than a vaccine in terms of combat, combating this virus. And then Trump goes up and says, because he always makes fun of people for wearing masks. You know, he goes to rallies where nobody's social distancing or he holds rallies where nobody's social distancing and, no, and, and, and nobody's wearing masks. And then you got fools like this walking in Targets and Walmart everywhere, listening to him and acting as though wearing a mask is somehow uh, infringing upon their, their, their freedoms. It's too much of an you know inconvenience. Michael, here's the problem. Here's the problem with it. Let me just say this, and I'll give you the yeah, go ahead, go ahead and say here's it. And, and, and surprisingly, surprisingly, it's going to shock you. I'm going to push back on what you're saying. But go ahead, finish. I'm going to push okay, back. Okay, I'll, 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 I'll just say this one last thing. Those same people walking through Target, and a lot of these same people who are, you know, storming Capitol buildings and protesting because, you know, these, these restrictions and these guidelines and these masks are an inconvenience and imposing upon their personal freedoms. They're the same one screaming patriotism. They're the same one who, who are the same ones who are dressed in the American flag. There is nothing more patriotic at this point in our country than taking care of your neighbors, taking care of one another. The problem is that the mask prevents you, if you are asymptomatic or or, or have the virus, from spreading the virus. It takes care of the next person. It's not protection from you as much as it is you protecting yourself, protecting the next person from yourself. And in America, right. unfortunately, it's all about our convenience. It's all about our comfort. It's all about what's best for me. And so I was just so appalled yesterday to actually see that at this point and today, we're still talking about the effectiveness of masks.
when we're 200,000 deaths in. We have a death wish in this country right now. And it just seems like the very things they're complaining about, those inconveniences, we could have been past them by now if people would have just practiced some common sense. The floor is yours. Okay. All right. All right. Well, I, I don't want the floor. I, I want to have a conversation with you. I'm going to push. I'm going to tell you what, why I'm pushing back. You know, I love a little poetry. One of my favorite poets, a uh, guy by the name of Q-Tip, early work, talked about politicians being magicians, right? Remember that? Senseless verbs and ambiguous words, all this stuff. So don't, don't, let, don't let the politicians drag you into it. So you talk about Trump. This is, this, is, this is beyond Trump. This is common sense. Mike, I went to a doctor the other day, and uh, my doctor, who did he vote for? I don't know. I don't know. I know he's a doctor. I know he's great. I don't care who he voted for. I know that uh, he, can keep, he can give me some good advice, and he can keep me going. He can keep me ticking, right? So my doctor says that if, if you don't wear the mask, if somebody has COVID, and I'm not wearing a mask, and I'm having a conversation with them, there's a 70% chance I can get it. He said, add a mask, that 70% drops to 5%. What's my doctor's political party? Who cares? He makes a lot of sense. So I don't care what the president of the United States says, and we've had this conversation before. I know you disagree with me. This is not about him. He can say what he wants, but if you are going to blame him for not wearing a mask, what are you thinking if you are of no, age? Michael. And you got a no, little bit Michael, of sense. No. Come on, Mike. No, stop right there. Stop right there. Stop right there. Stop right there. Nobody with any kind of sense or sense of morality voted for him in the first place. That's not fair. That's number that's one. No, it no, is so it fair. is totally fair. Because no, we not. knew exactly what we some of us knew exactly what we were getting in 2016. Some of us warned everybody else, this person is right. not fit to lead this country. So this is who we have. And some people are acting all shocked and appalled by the way this is going. Well, we could see this coming not a mile but away, back, but four but, years ago. Okay, away. but tell me, tell me, tell me why, tell me why wearing a mask, your your inability, your refusal to wear a mask. Uh, I, I think a lot of people have the internet, a lot of people have Google, whether they're Republicans or Democrats. Tell me why your refusal to wear a mask goes back to Donald Trump. Easily. And we had the same conversation, so everybody knows, take you behind the curtain. We had the same conversation yeah. when Bob Woodward's book dropped, and he had the revelations about how Trump downplayed it all along, downplayed yeah. the, the significance and the, and, the, and the dangerousness of the virus all along. And we debated whether or not knowing earlier would have mattered for a lot of people. Michael, whether you, you are talking, you are approaching this as usual because you know one way to think, and that is intelligently. You are approaching you. this as an intelligent, rational human being. And the people who walk through uh, who walk through Target and Walmart and the people who go to these rallies are far from rational, intelligent human beings, clearly so they because they support that? an idiot. They support an idiot. Okay. They listen to him. They listen to him. Whether we uh, like it or not, whether we understand it or not, they listen to him. And when sure. he is and undermining the science and saying right. that... Uh, but he's he's pushing. Which, it's their right, but now but their I've, rights are infringing upon the rest of us. He's pushing but I, but immunity. Heard, but, but, Six but, but, million but people got to die. But Mike, Go ahead. Mike. But to be fair, but to be fair, I've heard many Trump supporters say that they don't agree with him on everything. Now it might be it might be two or three things that they wrote. Listen, I'm just telling. I'm giving you the facts. There I may be you. two or three things that they really like about him. It might be that he has said uh, nice things about Christianity. It could be that he's putting conservatives on the Supreme Court. Never read the Bible. Whatever it is. It, 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 it could be a lot of things. But 
if just because he says, I'm not going to wear a mask, if you are of age and you are paying attention to what's going on in the world, I cannot blame him. If you don't put a mask on in the middle of a pandemic, I can't, I can't put right. that at the feet you're of Donald Trump. I just can't. Right. I, I can't. I, 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 but he still has. He likes the title, but not the job. And it's in his position. He has a responsibility to lead effectively with the country's best interests at heart. And people, you're right. They should know better and it shouldn't take a president telling them, but they're following his lead. Look, they should have known better in 2016. They didn't. And elections have consequences, Michael. We got to log off. I'll see you tomorrow, though. I'll see you tomorrow, man. Love you.